And welcome to this episode of 1202, the Human Factors Podcast, with me, your host, Barry Kirby. Before I introduce today's guests, I wanted to highlight a couple of podcast updates. I'm really pleased to say that we hit the 10,000 audio download mark the other day. And hopefully, if you've been following our social feeds, you'll have seen this landmark event. Now, I've mentioned before when we did some of the um, catch ups last year and, and start of this year. This is not a target-driven venture. This is something I do for fun and, and fun and frolics. Um, but I did have a bit of a benchmark at the back of my mind of around 10,000 downloads in about five years, given the size of the Human Factors um, audience and things like that, would be about right. And this is only the start of year four, and we've hit that 10,000 mark. And that doesn't even include any of the newer YouTube stuff. But what is a really even better statistic, I think, and that I'm really proud of, is that the number of this thing of idea of impactful plays are those people who are listening and engaging with at least over 75% of every episode. And we're getting that at around 90%, which I think uh, is phenomenal. And apparently to all podcast statistics, apparently that's a really good thing as well. So I'd like to say thank you for all your support and let me and have a go. Let me know what target we should be aiming for next. I mean, could we make 20,000 uh, downloads in the next 12 months? Possibly ambitious, but um, let's see what, uh, for those of you who like statistics, what should we go for next? And secondly, as regular listeners will know, I've also been helping out on Human Factors Cast, the US-based weekly Human Factors News Roundup and discussion with Nick Rome. I've been filling in for Blake, who's for a number of reasons, has been taking some time out. But hopefully, um, he's going to be returning to claim his rightful throne in the very near future. But I'm delighted to say that I'm also going to be staying on, and it'll be the three of us hosting it. Uh, so, and additionally, we're going to be creating a bit of an informal partnership, a gathering, a grouping, um, if you will, and cross-referencing com- content between uh, this podcast and and Human Factors Cast, and really to create more of an alliance and more sharing of uh, best practice Human Factors knowledge um, across our community. It's going to be that significant new step in the UK-US relationship. Anyway, on to today's episode. Musculoskeletal dis- disorders uh, is not only a difficult word to say, but it is also a leading cause of occupational ill health in the UK. And this accounts for around 30% of all work-related ill health cases and 27% of lost working days. This, it's 14.9 or nearly 50 million people it affects nationally, and it costs the NHS over £5 billion a year for treatment and support. And many human factors practitioners uh, will be painfully aware of just how difficult a problem this is. And that's why when I heard that Arco have partnered with Flex Health to bring the Flex app to the UK, which not only looks to accelerate the recovery process of uh, musculoskeletal disorders, but also to help prevent injury in the first place, which is something that's quite close to my heart. So I'm really pleased that, because we haven't covered this idea of, uh, of musculoskeletal health on the podcast yet, I'm delighted to be joined by Rob Lewis, who is CEO of, of Flex Health, and John McKinland from Arco to tell us more about MSD, their intervention, the Flex app. And as I'm just playing with the buttons, gents, welcome and thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks, Barry. So, as is the usual sort of structure for the website, uh, for the website, for the podcast, um, I'm going to chat with you a bit individually about who you are, uh, where you come from, where, and your interest in it. So, Rob, can I come to you first? What is it? You're the CEO of, of Flex Health. What is Flex Health, and what what are you doing on a day to day basis? Um, yeah, as you mentioned, Barry, we we developed a product called Flex Health, 
Um, my background is actually in developing pharmaceuticals, so spent 30 years in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, part of that was with digital health, and we set up a digital health company in 2016. And Flex Health is one of the projects that we developed from that, and it's our the product we're most proud of. So that's really my background. My day-to-day -day job really is, um, well, we've just really built that product. We've just launched it with our partnership with Arc. We're going to discuss in this podcast, and, and really our job now is to make it as big as we can and help as many people as we possibly can. Awesome. That's fantastic. Um, John, if I can come to you, um, you're here um, on behalf of Arco. Um, yes. Can you tell us a bit about what, what you do and what your day-to-day -day role is? Yeah, so I'm the uh, the technical sales manager for the uh, for the Flex app. So pretty much my role is to to help us uh, our productize it with Flex Health, bring it to market, uh, and make sure really we're sitting in front of our customers uh, and, and be able to explain the benefits to the employer and the employee of the app and how, of course, as you quite rightly said, it rehab or or certainly give some pain relief to uh, to the uh, to uh, the users. Uh, my my background actually is telecommunications, so I spent most of my life in that uh, in that particular arena, which is hence you know the, the the ability to come and bring the app to marketplace. Uh, but also from a biomechanics point of view, it's kind of a part time hobby. So actually, I'm quite lucky I get to manage an app which I, I kind of understand, but I'm kind of working in a role that's uh, it's my hobby as well. So yeah. When you say it's your hobby, how how do you mean it's your hobby? I'm a frustrated runner. So, and I have been for many, many right. years. And I carry an awful lot of sports injuries. And about five, six years ago, I suddenly decided I wanted to discuss, well, discover a little bit more about biomechanics and how, mm. how that uh, uh, was affecting me. Because you know, I've, I've I've had some significant injuries in my legs, and really try and get some running form out of it. So, I kind of really got engaged with uh, the whole subject matter through that. Uh, and of course, these opportunities come along as well. Actually, um, you know, not many not many people get the chance to go to work and actually uh, extol the virtues of their hobby as well as uh, the, the technology <laughs> side. So, very lucky fella. Brilliant. That that works really well. Um, also, you bought this to uh, bought this to fruition through. Uh, we've had, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but two years of, of pandemic, um, which has been, you know, uh, we've had to change the way that we look at how we work, how we uh, how we engage, and all that sort of stuff. So, how have you guys found developing this sort of thing, and just generally working through the pandemic itself, Rob? How have you found it? Uh, well, in, in some ways, it's uh, the pandemic's been um, beneficial in terms of developers because part of my business as well is doing consultancy and actually earning money through that, um, which actually completely evaporated during the pandemic. So personally, it's been very difficult for my business, but that lack of other things to do has helped us focus on Flex. It's also held us back with Flex as well in the sense of it's very difficult to get people to make decisions during a pandemic so you can't go and see them secondly they're worried about budget and thirdly so innovation in any other space apart from how do we continue to operate during a pandemic has kind of like sort of reduced people's decision making ability which is really what you need when you're trying to get something to market so yeah we found the last few years really really difficult from a business point of view from a personal point of view it's been pretty tough as well yeah, it's. I've I've talked to quite a lot of people who've. Yes, it's been great to have um, the opportunity to to deliver almost a pet project to a certain extent, but um, but you know it doesn't get away from the stark reality of of what a lot of people have of you know of just generally living that day to day with not knowing what's going on. Um, John, from your perspective, how have you found working during the pandemic? Yeah, from a personal level, it was um, um, it was quite strange to go from someone who spends an awful lot of time in the car traveling around the country, you know, visiting customers, to actually trying to perform that role virtually uh, from, from home. 
productivity levels certainly gone through the roof. I found myself working a lot longer hours. Mm. Didn't really suffer with any mental health issues or, or, or you know, or concerns around that. But I became very much uh, uh, significantly more a sedentary worker than I was previously, uh, and that that caused some issues. You know, so uh, I certainly knew where the fridge was, put it that way. So, uh, uh, but the. Um, <laughs> But from a but from, from a professional level, it was a, it was a boom time. You think about what Arco do in the uh, in you know as as PPE providers in the marketplace. Obviously, it's just a huge logistical operation, and uh, you know it kicked into uh, into overdrive uh, through through the pandemic. Um, so, from a business perspective, actually, there was very little impact around that apart from the increased workload. Yeah, I've got, I've got to say the the way that different people adapted to being being sedentary was quite interesting. I had a number of friends who would commute to work by going to have the walk around the block and yeah. then come back, get back home and, and things like that. And it's um, the, there's been a number of ingenious ways that people have actually adapted and, and working forward. Um, what we'll do, we're just going to take a, a very quick break and then we'll come back to, because I'm, I'm really um, keen to hear more about Flex and, and what we can do. So we'll be right back right after this. You are listening to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. We wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you for your support. You can help further by rating us through your podcast provider, sharing us through social media, and telling your friends and colleagues. Let's work together in raising awareness of the value in putting users at the center of what we do. Welcome back, and I'm here with Rob Lewis, the CEO of Flex Health, and John McKinland from Arco, and we're here to talk about the the Flex app. So, before we get stuck into that, um, Rob, can you just give us a bit of an insight, um, a layman's description, if you will, around musculoskeletal uh, disorder, if you can actually say, um, which I'm clearly struggling to do. Yeah, could you give us a bit more view about uh, what it is and why why it is something that we need to address? Sorry. Um... Musculoskeletal disease is really anything that goes wrong with your osseous neural or myofascial system. So in other words, your bone, muscles, and your nerves. And everybody on this call and probably everybody will have experienced musculoskeletal disease. So it's that nagging back pain you get from time to time. Uh, main, it could be you've got sore knees. John, John mentioned running. You know, classically, you might be really fit and healthy because you do a lot of running, but you may have um, sore knees because you've worn away the car. So anything that affects that um, system uh, is, is what we call musculoskeletal disease. And it can be, uh, uh, on one end, very low niggly pain, quite extreme pain, or it could it could progress to osteoarthritis or something quite serious. And, you know, you can end up having your knees replaced, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and fundamentally, one of the most prevalent diseases in the, in, in, uh, that affects the global health system. The World Health Organization uses a measure called a year lost to disability. Um, of the top 10 causes of lost, years lost to disability, musculoskeletal disease is, is three of the top 10 causes. And combined, we lose 100 disability because of it. Um, and a year lost to disability is defined as a, a year of your life that is negatively impacted by disease. Or So it's a massively prevalent thing. As I said, pretty much everyone's experienced it. And it's something that as we get older, we tend to, as we wear out or have suffered more injury and we tend to be more and more prone to it. When you put some stark figures like that together, it just shows you just what the, um, you know, what the appetite is there or what the, the potential is there for, for doing some good. Um, 
if everybody suffers from it one way or another, and actually just as you're describing, yes, my knees, my shoulder, my, my lower back as well. Um, is this something that um, is just inevitable or is it something that actually with good management and an actually decent awareness that we can actually do something proactively about? Well, um, it's kind of inevitable. It's a, it's a consequence of aging. So, you know, a biological clock, we, we live way longer than we ever lived or than we're designed to live. You know, um, we live in a very comfortable world where protected from disease and you know generally we're not saber tooth tigers anymore so you know our, our body's longer than they were really designed to do so it is kind of inevitable obviously you can you may be unlucky injury so you know you might be a 16 year old kid and have a football injury that causes an injury that's going to result in osteoarthritis of the knee and that's kind of unlucky but we, we wear and tear so it's really important that we we kind of look after ourselves so that could be our diet um so obviously the less we we, sorry, the, 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 the less we wear um, force we put on our bodies, so that reduces the impact of musculoskeletal disease. Arguably, some diets have more natural anti-inflammatories and that kind of thing. So the lifestyle factors, but, but fundamentally, we need to stay in shape to um, look after our musculoskeletal health because if we are cropped and we have lots of musculoskeletal, it means we can't go for a run, we can't go for a walk, we can't play sport, and that inhibits our our health in a more wider um, uh, on a more wide basis because it risks of cardiovascular disease, metabolic disease, mental health problems, etc. So we see at Flex Health, we see good musculoskeletal health as an innate physical activity and physical activity is the cornerstone of good health. I think that answers your question. I went off on one a bit there, but hey. No, no that, that's perfect because I think one of the um, things behind this is like, as you quite rightly point out, that if, if you've got your, that core element of, of your health, skeletal health right, then it's an enabler. It allows you to go and do other things, you're, you're running and, and things like that. So with that in mind then, um, can you tell us a bit more about the Flex app and, and actually how, how that app is going to help us um, um, combat um, this disorder and, um, sure. and what, what it is we can do going forward? Yeah, well, it's worth just telling you a little bit about the story of how we came to develop it. So, as I mentioned earlier, my background was in the pharma industry. So, generally speaking, the pharma makes money out of people being ill because we can then give people um, the medicines that fix it. There's nothing wrong with that, of course. Um, but the kind of standard in healthcare is prevalence in the first place, which is kind of where we're trying to get to with Flex. So, we see Flex as a preventer of musculoskeletal disease. Um, Andrew who's my business partner in Flex, and I met Martin, who's the other person in Flex Health, the company. And Martin is a physiotherapist and a biomechanics coach who's a genuine world leader in the science of biomechanics. When we met him, we were really impressed with um, his expertise. And basically, he's, he's developed some treatment algorithms which allow him to understand humans move and why they move in the way that they do. And that learning um, has resulted in a series of treatment algorithms, as I mentioned, Mentioned. and effectively with flex we've did those treatment algorithms so i would think Flex is a effectively an appointment with martin so rather than going to see martin he's based in newark if you want to go and see him get his expertise through our app and um, we've effectively digitized that as i say um and it does two things fundamentally so we can we can help people manage pain so it can if you've got knee pain back pain shoulder pain whatever we can give you physiotherapy programs to to address that pain um, of what we call a biomechanics program. And that biomechanics program is highly innovative. 
and it's based on algorithms that were developed in 4,000 people. And that algorithm gives insight that allows us to identify where an individual has biomechanical dysfunction and then give them a program of exercises to address that biomechanical dysfunction to reduce the chance of musculoskeletal disease. So it's a highly preventative product. And um, as I said, it uses our proprietary algorithms that hopefully mean that we can on musculoskeletal disease by reducing its chance um, of occurring in an, in an individual. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like it's going to be like the, the, the next app that everybody should have to, to be able to uh, run themselves forward with it. But how does an app actually do that? So if I was to log, it, log into the app and what, what does it do on a day-to-day -day basis? How would I interact with it? Sure, I, I kind of glossed over that bit of detail, didn't I? Sorry. So, so the first thing that it does, the biomechanics, the preventative program, it takes you through some screening tests. And by screening tests, I mean, it asks you to do some exercises. So the app, a video, and it will explain how to do this screening test, which is an exercise. And then you enter into the app how you performed in that test. That screening is identifying the parts of your body that have biomechanical dysfunctions. Um, and then what the app does is it gives you exercises to work on those biomechanical dysfunctions. So on day one, you screen yourself. The app identifies your biomechanical profile and gives you a program of exercises designed to address those dysfunctions. And do that for a week. So each day you do a small number of physiotherapy exercises. And then after one week, you rescreen yourself. And that rescreening is figuring out what exercises are working for you or whether they're not. And basically, the app tweaks the program depending on your progress and how the, how the, how the um, exercises are working. And basically, the, the program's 12, 12 weeks. So you do the exercises for 12 weeks. And that addresses your biomechanical dysfunction. It continually tunes the program as you go through to account for your progress, and in that way, personalizes the intervention for you. And we've we've proven that that can reduce the incidence of musculoskeletal disease. The the pain pro other aspects of the app is slightly different. So in that case, you're actually in pain. So you've got knee pain, back pain, ankle pain, whatever it may be. In that case, it basically um, does a triage with you. So first it triages you to check that you're suitable for physiotherapy exercise intervention. It also checks to make sure that that pain's um, not due to mine or, or something you might have to worry about. Um, and if you pass the screening, it gives you a series of exercises and there are six grades of exercise. And so once you've adjusted level, you can move to the second level. And as I said, there are six grades and it can take up to six weeks to progress through the six grades and that we've shown that that can help people um, manage um, pain. So I guess from what you're saying then, you're, the, the unique, so it's not just telling you go in, do a, this pre-canned exercise program. It's actually, from what you're saying, it's, it, 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 it adapts to you and your problems or your, um, your, you know, your progress as you go along and, and therefore yeah. it, it goes completely individual. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. If you, if you went, if you went for a call, of physiotherapy you go and see a therapist on day one and then you would return routinely um and then he would be checking your progress and our app does that in a in a well, obviously algorithmically which means scale it more economically and we can uh, basically treat more people um with less resource which is good cool okay so look at this from the other, from the other side then from the, from the market forces john if i could sort of bring you into what is the market need for this app and you know why should workforces actually be concerned about this? Or if it's such a big, it's, it's going to happen, it's a problem. Why should we be concerned about it? 
Well, certainly from an employer perspective, you know, you've got a you've got a disengaged workforce, uh, which is impacting on productivity if they're carrying an injury into work or being called, uh, or their work is actually causing an injury. And to give an example of that, HSE will tell you that about 59% of all people with a uh, with an MSD, a multiple skeletal disorder, uh, are currently in work. So people are taking these injuries into work, which is impacting an employer's productivity, and of course, you know, you're not being able to maximise performance. You've also got to think about the uh, uh, the mental well-being of your and the morale of your of your workforce as well. So I think we can all probably get our head around the fact that if you're off long term with a particular injury, um, that it's going to impact your your mental health. It's going to cause some depression, maybe some anxiety over your of your, uh, uh, your suitability to do your role, and perhaps even impact on some career goals. There's also a financial impact both the employer and the employee. So from the employer perspective, it's obviously that. Uh, uh, that the cost of replacing that uh, that employee or or, or, or uh, cost of treatment, uh, and for the employee, of course, they can find themselves on SSP, which is you know has got a, an impact on their on their personal financial well-being. So again, taking all that into account from an employer's perspective, there's a huge advantage to be able to get your workforce to the point where they're a little bit more flexible. Maybe they've got a bit more mobility. But I think more importantly, by extolling the virtues of what this app can do, you're allowing people to take. Uh, well, to be empowered, really, to take personal responsibility for their well-being and perhaps put themselves in a position where they're actually physically better able to perform their role without injury. So it's a huge benefit to the employer and to the employee, uh, and certainly from uh, from you know the lost productivity in the marketplace, which you know is estimated to be around about four billion pounds just around multiple skeletal disorders, and of course mm. then you've got the impact on the employee and their their finances as well. So, and I don't want to pose an awkward question. But I, I will. Um, it sounds great. It sounds like it's something to be uh, really useful, um, and and I, I can sort of see just from think my my knees are telling me that yes, there's going to be something useful around this. But have you actually unleashed this on the market yet? Is the have you got any sort of case studies, any sort of examples of where you have used this and it's it's provided um, benefit? So, John, have you got have you got any sort of evidence around that? Yeah, certainly. Well, so we've um, there's been a study with uh, and, a, and a case with with South Yorkshire Police, uh, which actually, Rob, you're probably better um, sort of geared up to to explain the the results of the uh, South Yorkshire Police. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um, when Martin developed the, the clinical algorithms, um, we tested them in the South Yorkshire Police Force. So Martin with the South Yorkshire Police Force. Um, policemen apparently have suffered from lots of skeletal problems because they sit around behind the desk writing reports all day. They're in patrol cars or they're walking the beat. They get injured in their line, in their line of work. And we did a study among 237 of their workers. And what we did was put the app into place um, for three months, uh, in the, uh, as I said, among 237 of their workers. And what we were able to show as a result of uh, three months of using the app is they saw a corresponding reduction in musculoskeletal. And we were able to reduce the incidence of musculoskeletal disease by 64%. So um, that's a really impressive figure. So that's a sizable reduction in uh, musculoskeletal disease, which meant that obviously the, the police officers had better health and a higher quality of life, but also importantly, the police force um, had a big save in terms of um, productivity and, and, and fewer people um, absent from work because of musculoskeletal disease. That's a that's a really impressive outcome, and it's really nice to see um, basically practical application there. Um, is there yeah. any other examples that you that you've got the that you can share? 
We've actually done we actually done five studies on on the on the product. So we did the study in the South Yorkshire Police that I've just described. We did a confirmatory study in the Dorset Fire uh, Fires, and in that particular study, we showed a two percent reduction in absenteeism due to back pain, which is their which was their primary concern. We've also done two studies in the ping. So in one study, we did a study in the NHS and uh, in, in one of the trusts in uh, Great Yarmouth and Waveney, I think it was. And we, we looked at a group of people and we, we characterised them to what level of pain they were suffering from. So they were characterised as having no pain, mild pain, pain or severe pain. And we put the products into place for six weeks and we were able to show significant reductions in the number of people suffering from severe pain and moderate pain and we move down into the lower pain groups uh, in other words people who had no or mild pain so we we're able to show that we reduced um, um, pain as well we did a similar in an exercise setting in a, in a health club and we showed things like re reductions in knee, knee pain of 75 percent and, and a variety of other pains also in the first lockdown during coronavirus as i said martin's a physiotherapist he was actually uh, unable to practice because um, there was no face-to-face -face, um, and he was using um, flex to triage patients um, over the telephone and he, he was able to show that something like eight it was something percent I can't remember exactly what the percentage was but we he was able to deal with 80 something like 80 percent of his patients um, using flex and they didn't require face-to-face -face physiotherapy so in, to in total we've done a number of studies I think we've had something like 4,700 people um through the app contact data set so a fairly robust um sort of body of evidence if you like i think there's some significant financial savings as well for the nhs i mean certainly when we looked at the the figures of what they were spending on the, on the part of the pain management with the treatment of those uh, uh with those patients we were able to estimate that we're saving about 16 pounds for every one pound spent so it's a huge reduction in the cost of the nhs just by going through um you know some of the processes that the app puts forward and that, yeah, I mean, that's quite um, substantial. I mean, the what I really like about this is the fact that, um, you know, I, I love a good trial. I, I love getting, seeing the hard data come in. And it's got to be quite um, heartwarming in many ways that you can have um, an app because a lot, especially when you're doing preventative work, it's yeah. sometimes hard to quantify that. But you, but the ability to be able to do that is quite phenomenal. Um, yeah. I will go on a slight tangent now um, because to... Finish off, finish off the interview. I do have a standard set of three questions that I like to ask. Um, just to, they, they feel a bit random. That's because they are slightly are. Um, so bear with it. But it's um, Rob. If I come to you first, um, what is your go-to book or paper or a reference? So it could be technical, it could be fiction um, that you keep going back to that you read again and again and again. <laughs> okay, thanks, Barry. Um, I don't tend to again and again because I've got a massive stack of books that I haven't. Got haven't made my way through yet already, but I, I've read some books that I've really, really enjoyed, and um, I'll give you two recommendations. So first one is Cormac McCarthy, the American author. He wrote a book called The Road. It's actually been turned into a film, um, but it's a really interesting post-apocalyptic tale about a guy surviving in America after an apocalypse. Re it's a really affecting and haunting book. Um, if you fancy something a little bit more lighthearted, there's the uh, British author called John Niven has written some really, really funny books, and i you know, the kind of book that you'd be reading on a train and feeling really stupid because you, you could fall thing all the way through. I thoroughly recommend it. Perfect. Uh, John, what about yourself? Yes, yeah, two really. I think um, 
Um, the one, the one I find myself going back to, sort of again and again at the moment, is uh, is actually a book called uh, "The Lost Art of Running" by by Shane Benzie. So Shane's done some analysis around uh, sort of the biomechanics of the body and the myofascial system and how you get elasticity out of your muscles when you're running, et cetera. And I've learned an awful lot about structure and form and, and the biomechanics for, for myself personally from that. I think in terms of one that's kind of motivated me, shall we say, is actually an ultra runner called Damon Hall, who just who released a book last year about his adventure from being effectively a journalist and in his late 30s getting into ultra running and being one of the males now best ultra runners and he's approaching 40 or so so that's uh, yeah. that's an interesting read because it talks about the psychology of it all as well well i think um all of them need to be on my uh on on my read list um <laughs> if you were able to go back um and give you some advice you know one bit of advice to your younger self rob what would you what would you tell your younger self to do <laughs> um i'm now 52 so so we'll be going back quite a long way but and i've also got teenage kids so they might listen to this I'll, I'll be slightly careful about what i say but you know fundamentally i personally think when you're younger figure out what you enjoy doing because um you're going to be happy doing that in the future and, and try and do something worthwhile you know I, I i'm really into music personally i ended up being a scientist because i was good at science at school but probably wish i'd done something in music for example um so try and be true to yourself yeah and John, what would be uh, your bit of advice to, your, to, to the younger John? Well, certainly, um, I think, uh, you know, listen to mum and dad. If mum and dad says, yeah, that's probably going to hurt if you're going to do that, it probably will. Um, <laughs> but I think um, the best advice I would give to my younger self is actually is um, you, your gut feeling's never been wrong. So if your gut says it's right, do it. Oh, that's such a decent bit of advice. <laughs> um, the... And then finally, um, Rob, if you uh, wanted to stumble on this podcast again, um, who do you suggest we interview next to to hold your attention? <laughs> um, well, probably I, I could suggest loads of people I'd like to meet, but I'll, I'll resist that temptation. The, the person I love listening to at the moment is a guy called George Monbiot. So George Monbiot, if you don't know, is a, 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 is a, a, a columnist in The Guardian, an environmentalist, and like literally everything I've ever heard him say I've agreed with wholeheartedly. It's got some really interesting views on the environment, what we should be doing, and um, kind of the whole thing about capitalism and can we have a, a sustainable future while capitalism is what drives us and like GDP is not really a good measure of uh, everyone's well-being. I, I really agree with everything I've ever heard him say. So he's kind of my hero at the moment. I would definitely recommend listening cool. to him. Awesome. And John, do you have any recommendations on who I should try and snag for an interview? Well, definitely at some point you should definitely try and get Martin Haynes on and uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's obviously written the, written the algorithms for, for this because it's, it's, an, it's an extremely impressive CV that the man has and he's uh, an extremely engaging person to speak to but I, I would definitely push and try and get Damon Hall on as well as an ultra runner because this is a guy that's come from a journalistic background he's had mm. to learn about the application of, of what his body can do uh, and how he how he would uh, get that to the point where he's able to go extreme distances uh, uh, and, and under extreme pressure, and actually, and how to rehabilitate from injury and how his body works mentally and physically. Uh, he's an extremely engaging guy to uh, to discuss. And again, from an environmental perspective, he's a uh, he's a, a, again a key key voice in uh, in, the, in that particular world. Awesome. Um... Thank you both ever so much um, for your time today. Um, not only to uh, talk us through the Flex app, but actually how you got there, how you've done it and how you've tested it. I know from the um, the 
what the more sci science evolves in the uh, in the human factors world you know that whole understanding that how you've trialed it now you've engaged with it is is a really key thing um so all of your contacts are going to be available in the show notes and if you go to the 1202 website 1202.com uh 1202podcast.com my own website right um all of your details will be there but if they want to go and look about the the flex app itself where where can we go and find about the about the app itself and maybe uh, sign up and engage with it it was certainly on the uh, arco.co.uk website. If you just input uh, Flex, FLX into the uh, search bar, it will take you to a, a full suite of pages about uh, multiple skeletal disorders, uh, a little bit about the app, uh, and of course, there's a contact page as well, uh, but obviously through LinkedIn as well, through myself. So uh, we're more than happy to engage with everybody in, uh, through that media. Awesome. And we shall um, make sure we have them links in the, uh, in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, so thank you both very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, just a reminder to everybody that the ergonomics conference is coming on the in, in April. It's split into two sessions. Uh, there's going to be a virtual session on the 11th and 12th of April where we cover in topics on sustainability, automation, defense, and, and, and a, a physical meeting um, on the 25th and 26th of April in Birmingham where we're looking at aviation, well-being, healthcare, tools, and non-technical skills, and a few more, but there was just a, too many to list. Um, I'm going to be presenting in the sustainability section um and we're also going to take the podcast on tour to the physical event itself and try and um ambush people in the bar and see what their thoughts truly are after a few drinks um so hopefully see you there all that remains for me to say is to thank you both uh to rob and to john for being um awesome guests today and um hopefully see you all on the next episode Thank you for listening to 1202, the Human, the Human Factors, Factors podcast. podcast. Please do get in touch with your thoughts, questions, and comments. You can contact us on social media such as Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at 1202 Podcast. See you next See time. You next and remember, it's more than just common sense.